You're listening to the Extra Point Podcast. During this podcast, we will dive deeper into our Sunday teaching and share practical next steps for your faith journey. Now, let's kick off the Extra Point. Well, hello, I am Cheryl Ross, the Next Steps and Discipleship Pastor here at Southridge Church, and it's so good to be back here on the Extra Point with Pastor Scott, our lead pastor. How was it being on the other side last week, Pastor Scott? Oh, I had a blast uh, talking to Jed uh, last week about their ministry and about his sermon that he preached. And so, uh, yeah, it was a fun week. I hope everybody tuned in. Uh, last week, and this is kind of a great next step of where we were at last week, mm-hmm. talking about marriage again. Yeah, so this week we're going to dive deeper into your teaching from Sunday. Um, we're really, we've titled it Love and Respect, and it's more specifically on marriage and God's design for marriage. You shared from Hebrews thirteen four though, saying that marriage should be honored by all. Would you share what you meant by that again? Yeah, I think sometimes pastors feel awkward about sharing uh, on topics that don't seem to serve every person that's going to be sitting in the room or listening Mm -hmm. at home. And because not every single person is married, it feels odd to stop what you're doing and do a marriage sermon where it's Mm -hmm. not going to hit every person. But I'm reminded by that, that verse in Hebrews that, Marriage is important whether you're married or not. Mm -hmm. Most of the issues and problems that we see in our culture today, most of the things that we complain the most about, honestly can be traced back to um, problems that start at home, in -hmm. particular problems that start in marriage. And so whether you're married, single, Mm -hmm. single and hoping to be married, single and hoping to never be married, Marriage still matters, and so it should be honored by all because strong marriages lead to strong families. Strong Mm -hmm. families make strong communities. Strong communities make the world a better place ultimately. And so that's what we need more of, and so it's worth it to stop what we're doing for a week and focus in on this one little um, segment of our congregation. Even though most of the people at Southridge are married, I know not everyone is, but it was just a way at the beginning of the sermon to really get everyone on the same page that goes, mm-hmm. maybe this is for you, maybe this isn't for you. And I actually think, though, the same things, for the most part, that make up of a healthy marriage just make up healthy relationships in general. So yeah. if we are humble enough, I think that we can take the things that we talk about here and realize that they, they apply to our relationships with men and women, whether we're at work, at church, at home, and mm-hmm. our families. They're kind of general principles that I really think are helpful in our interactions with other people. So that's why marriage should be honored by all, because it actually, at the end of the day, matters to everyone, no matter your marital status. Absolutely. And I think it's surprising how many people don't actually think about the lasting implications that unhealthy marriages and divorce actually have on a community. They only tend to think about it for the kids or the families, but never really think of it on that larger scale. And I remember someone saying at one point, like, what if the best thing you can do for teens or kids in a church is give them parents who have a healthy marriage? And it was really eye-opening for me because it made me start to think about the true impact that a healthy marriage can actually have in our church, in our community, in our families, just like you said. So now I know the text that you taught from, Ephesians 5, can be kind of hard 
to preach from and cause a little bit of anxiety, especially in the culture that we have when we don't understand the full context that it was written in. And I loved how you explained it. So if you don't care, just recap a little bit about what I mean when we're talking about Ephesians 5 and what Paul was speaking to you on marriage. Yeah, so it it is one of those passages that I don't think a lot of people are very um, excited about preaching because it has a lot of triggers for our culture. But what I try to remind everyone of Sunday is that um, we have to be humble enough to realize that we're living in a cultural moment and uh, that the principles and the ideas that we value right now in 50 years from now may be different because 50 years ago they were different. And so we're living in a cultural moment. So mm-hmm. there are there are things about the scriptures that kind of trigger us because we're we're wearing twenty twenty two goggles and unable to see. Actually, the interesting thing is that now, if you were to look at a passage of Ephesians five in our current context, people would say how regressive these ideas are. Mm-hmm. And I would make the case that when this was written, how unbelievably progressive mm-hmm. it was to a patriarchal society that did everything they could to abuse and hold women down, you now have Paul coming in in Ephesians 5.21 saying that the basis of healthy relationships is mutual submission, which this would have been an Mm -hmm. earth-shattering idea at the time, that a man would ever submit to a woman for any reason or not completely dominate her in every possible way would have been completely mind-blowing. And then the things that he says to men about how he, they should sacrifice their life to see um, their wife flourish. Nobody would have ever talked to a first century husband the way that Paul did. Mm-hmm. And nowadays we have this whole idea that this idea of male headship in marriage is a bad thing because everything dealing with patriarchy and all of that is bad. I'm not saying that there's not a lot of negative that have, that has come into um, our our world as the result of domineering men and things like that. But that's not what Paul is talking about mm-hmm. in Ephesians 5. I actually see Ephesians five twenty two to 24 as a very practical outworking of the mutual submission talked about in 21. Whereas mm-hmm. eventually somebody does have to take charge. Eventually somebody does have to say, okay, here's what we're going to do as a family. Because if there wasn't right. an order like that, then you'd never be able to get anything done and you'd be stuck in a constant loop of either submission or stubbornness. And the mm-hmm. loop, you know, you get to choose what loop you get stuck in. And so if God didn't just go ahead and design an order where he goes, okay, listen, whether we like it or not, this is just right. one of those things. There's an order in marriage. But I made sure on Sunday to make this really clear. The order of male headship in marriage is the only relationship that I believe is governed by the Ephesians 5 passage. It's about Mm -hmm. marriage. It doesn't mean that we should not support female uh, politicians and see a female president. It doesn't mean that at your work you shouldn't uh, promote females. It doesn't mean that females can't preach in the church. There is one relationship that God set up where there is an order to the submission whenever you're stuck in a loop of stubbornness. It's marriage. And and so you've got two options. First, if you're single right now and you're trying to follow Jesus and you're single and you're like, I don't want to submit to a man, don't get married. That, that, That second option, okay, trust the design. If you trust the designer, then trust his design. And that's for people that are already married and you're like, ah, maybe, maybe you didn't make the best choice um, Mm -hmm. because maybe you're married to someone that doesn't have the same values as you and you have to live in that tension every single day. 
um, at that moment, you have to trust the designer and trust his design that ultimately how he says marriage is meant to be will lead to your flourishing. It's not actually for you to get held back or pushed down or dominated, but it's for your flourishing, which is why if you only read Ephesians 5.22, if you pull that verse out of context, it looks like a very (laughs) bad verse for women everywhere. Mm -hmm. But if you read the rest of the passage, you go, Mm -hmm. wait a second, this isn't some more patriarchal teaching to hold women down. Paul was trying to elevate women. Paul was actually trying to get the opposite to happen. He was trying to get men to stop abusing their wives Mm -hmm. by elevating their status and saying, look, these these women are your equals, and you are the head sacrificer. You're the one that's supposed Mm -hmm. to make sure that she flourishes in every way possible. Now, one of the things I didn't get to on Sunday, and I really wish Mm -hmm. I hadn't missed it in my notes, but... I think it's one of those things when I'm preaching the Lord, let's come out what needs to come out. And, mm-hmm. But he's reminded me of this right now. Also, um, the, uh, another point that I had, and that was I could, I could sit there and hear um, in my mind some women listening to that teaching about that the man is supposed to help them flourish in every way possible and that mm-hmm. there being a response of, I don't need no man to do that <laughs> in my life whatsoever. And if that is how you took that Sunday or that's how you feel about this passage, again, we're back to the same thing. Mm-hmm. If you're single and you don't need no man, that's, you're right. You don't need no man other than Jesus to make you all that you're going to be. Right. If you're single, that's fine. Just don't get married if that's how you feel about it. Right. If you're already married, trust the designer and trust his design. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I will also say if you are single and you have an issue with this, then look at it from that side where you said, you know, make sure for men, hey, be somebody worth being submitted to. And so when you're single and you're looking for that person, make sure that it's someone that you can actually see yourself trusting enough to be able to do that. I think for a lot of people, it's that word, that literal word, submission or submit, that can make them feel a certain way. And this was something we talked about a little bit in our group, that if you were way, raised in a way that this was taken in, a, in to such an extreme to where it was abused, then you probably don't appreciate it. But if you can realize it enough to like get past that and look at the heart of it that you were sharing, then you can see a major shift and a major thing begin to happen within people when you realize that it's not, it's not saying that like you as a woman don't get to have opinions or don't get to weigh in on things that you don't get to discuss topics. But it means that at the end of the day, I'm going to respect my husband and trust him to make the decisions that are best for my family. And, you know, God tells me to do things in his word and I have a respect and a trust for God that he has my best interest at heart. So I'm going to do those things. And the same goes with your husband. Like you should have a respect and a trust for him that when he says, this is what we're going to do because I truly believe this, then you're going to realize, okay, I can trust you. I believe you because I know you have my best interest at heart to make those right decisions. And so I loved like when you did start talking a little bit about husbands being, being the head sacrificer and the one who should help to make his wife flourish because I have so much appreciation for my husband in that moment to look and see in the ways that he has done that, that he has fully supported me in so many different areas that maybe some men would have a hard time doing, but 
you said something during the second service that you didn't say in the first service. So depending on what sermon you heard when you were watching online or that you attended, you maybe didn't hear this. And I thought when you said this, because I saw somebody shared this in their story, where you said, if you married a Christian woman, God gave you one of his daughters. And I thought that was such a different way to look at it. And the same goes for for us and our husbands. Like, we married another believer in Christ. Like, that's one of God's sons. And I think about my own kids and what I want for them in marriage would be this kind of mutual submission and this love and respect aspect that's going to help them succeed. And so talk a little bit more about that love and respect dynamic that really it got boiled down to. Yeah, I, I, just in the second service, it really hit me when I was thinking of how how I can phrase to the men how important this is. I was just thinking, if you were dating the king's daughter mm-hmm. and wanted to marry the king's daughter, of I mean, you've all seen you know movies and things where that's been the uh, premise of the movie, and it's like it's somewhat fear inducing to know that. Um, this this king, this one that's powerful, you know, and all of this lets you have his daughter's hand in marriage. Like that's something to live up to. Yeah. Um, and I think that changes the way that you view your spouse when you when you see them, if they're Christians, as royalty. Yeah. Like you're talking about marrying a son or a daughter of the king. Mm-hmm. So if they're royalty and they're the son or daughter of the king, I can't just treat them any old way that I want to treat them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, it comes with a level of accountability and a level of integrity to be in relationship with a son or daughter of the king. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, that really struck me in that second service, but it really does, like what you said, come down to the final verse in that passage where, Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, lays out the fundamental needs in relationships mm-hmm. for men and for women. And this is backed up by a ton of research in Emerson Agrich's book, Love and Respect, mm-hmm. that by and large, men crave respect more than they do love, and women crave love more than respect. But the problem mm-hmm. in all relationships is we are hardwired for some reason to give what it is that we need the most and neglect to actually give what the other person needs. Right. So men, we try to um, do things that are respectful for our wives and realize mm-hmm. that sometimes when we treat her with respect that it, it, it doesn't always come across loving and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Women, we try to lead with love towards men and we're neglecting their biggest um, need, which is respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in the book, uh, Emerson Egridge talks a, about the, the cycle mm-hmm. that he calls the crazy cycle. Yeah. And uh, essentially what he talks about is that as men feel disrespected in the relationship, so whether that's, you know, uh, their wife um, saying hurtful things to them, demeaning their role as the head of the house, mm-hmm. not appreciating all that they are doing for their family or whatever it is, as men feel disrespected, they are much more likely to respond with a lack of love. Mm-hmm. And the problem is at the moment that they they don't have their need for respect met, then they don't meet the need for love. And as a woman feels a lack of love in a relationship, then she also will 
inherently respond with a lack of respect in the relationship. And this cycle continues on and on and on until someone decides to break the cycle and jump off of the crazy cycle. And so for us, in in my marriage with Megan, I've seen this play out, and and here's what it looks like practically. Let's say that we're having a conversation, and Megan wants to try to talk about something that I've done in a way that I feel is tearing me down, not mm-hmm. respecting all like, you know, Megan's a fixer. She <laughs> wants to fix problems. And so when she <laughs> yeah. comes to a problem that I'm facing and simplifies it in a way, it's like, well, why don't you just handle it like this? And she minimizes <laughs> that. Yeah. It makes me feel a lack of respect. Cause I'm like, wait right. a second, you're not the one that has to do this. You're not the one that has to go have that conversation. Mm-hmm. So you're not respecting what I have to face. Mm-hmm. Now here's what I'll do in return. Sometimes, not all the time, try not to, but this is a real life example. Let's say mm-hmm. that she's done something that I perceive as disrespect. I know that it drives her crazy if I leave the house in the morning without saying goodbye. Mm. That lack of love will drive her insane. Mm-hmm. And we will continue to do this to each other unless we decide, okay, instead of responding with a lack of love or a lack of respect in this moment, I'll respond with what they need the most, that respect or that love, and it breaks the cycle. Because the mm-hmm. more that a man feels respected the more likely he is to respond with love. And the more a woman feels loved, the more likely she Mm -hmm. is to respond with respect. And we actually end up meeting each other's like most important need in relationship Mm -hmm. when we do that. And that's what Emerson Egrich in that book calls the energizing cycle. Like Mm -hmm. marriages that are operating off of the love and respect principle where each part of that relationship is seeking to meet that need in Mm -hmm. the other person's life. Those are energized. Those are flourishing right. relationships, and it's biblical. It like God designed marriage, and so He also designed the way in which it was meant to function, so that way it would flourish. Yeah. And that's what you see in the submission and the sacrifice principle. It's two mm-hmm. people equal in a relationship, but with completely different roles to right. make the thing work. Yeah, and God also designed. The people he designed male and he designed female. So he knows like he knows how we are hardwired to know what is going to work best in those roles and in those relationships. So I love that. And I loved how you talked about like, um, are you being Jesus to one another? You are, you know, your love or your respect in that relationship can be a witness to them. Because I think when you do that, when you say, I'm going to show respect regardless of how much love he's giving me or not, I'm going to still continue to show respect. I think what ends up happening is typically that person, like my husband would see like, wow, I didn't reserve her, deserve her respect in this moment because of how I have done this. And it's going to make him realize, wow, like she really cares for me. And then he is going to eventually respond with love. And the same goes in the other way. When you show love to Megan, regardless of how much she's respecting you, eventually she's going to feel that little bit of conviction and be like, wow, okay, I have been doing something that's making this relationship not work right. But my husband in his love for me is still being the kind of person being Jesus to me. So now I need to respect him for that. And so it just helps to break that. And it really does bring a lot of energy to a relationship. Um, 
But so I know you shared on Sunday some practical next steps for people as far as in marriage, some things that we are offering that are new. So how about you go ahead and cover those things again? That way people can maybe if they have prayed or decided that they want to do this, they can do it. Yeah. So the first thing, this is a new thing that we're doing here at Southridge is offering marriage counseling. I will say it's a very specific marriage counseling, Uh though. I didn't go and get a certification in being a full-on marriage counselor. There are people that are better equipped to do that. Um, But we are equipped to help couples um, in in a very specific way. And then once we went through the process here, then if there was further needs, then we could get you in contact with with someone that could go a little bit more in depth. But what, what I have done and what Megan is in the process of doing, and actually what Pastor Cheryl her husband Anthony are going to be in the process of doing is all getting certified as um, marriage counselors through a program called SIMBUS, which stands for Saving Your Marriage Before It Begins. It's a premarital counseling that is meant to be done as people are preparing for marriage, Mm -hmm. but what they have found is that it's also a very good tool for people that are already married to start really healthy conversations. And uh, Megan and I went through it um, just about a month ago. Um, as part of our certificate, as part of my certification process, we had to take the, um, uh, assessment that, that you get, you get about a 15 page report about your marriage that helps you have these really healthy conversations. Mm-hmm. So Megan and I did that. And then we had other people that were Simba certified walk us through that. And Megan and I have been married this year will be 10 years and right. it was a huge benefit. And so I was talking to the counselors that did that for us. And I said, I mean, I know this is meant for premarital or really early on in marriage. I said, do you think it'd be okay to offer to just the whole church? And they said, well, you guys have been married 10 years and you just took this. How helpful was this? And I said, well, this was incredible. Honestly, in the last month, Megan and I's marriage has been absolutely transformed by what we did in that. And so that's why we're offering it to everybody, whether you're mm-hmm. premarital or you've been married for 20, 30, 40 years. I think that this stuff could really help you. Mm-hmm. And so our goal is to have two pastors and their spouses on staff here mm-hmm. um, certified in this and eventually grow that as well. So if you're interested in marriage counseling and going through the SIMBUS process, it's a quick assessment. It takes probably 25, 30 minutes um, per person to do it. And then you could set up with a pastor how many sessions you all want to do. If you want to cover the 15-page report in you know, five sessions, three sessions, one really long session, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, we're flexible on that, but I promise you it will. Whether you're having major marital issues or you feel like everything's great, this will help. Because Megan and I went through it. We weren't having major marital issues, but it has transformed mm-hmm. our good marriage, I think, into what's going to be a great marriage, and we're going to experience the promised land in that area of our life. So that's the first thing is marriage counseling. A second thing that's going to go along through the same company um, we, you can get certified as marriage mentors, which isn't counseling, but rather it's more of a mentorship where you have a married couple that's been doing this for a while, they mm-hmm. go through the proper assessment for that, and then they can walk alongside long-term, long past the counseling re- relationship, long-term, a process of just pouring into another couple. In fact, two mm-hmm. weeks ago when Pastor Jed was here, he was talking about um, one of the key fletchlings was nutrition, like pouring in um, good stuff into your relationship. And he was talking mm-hmm. about how we need more couples that will pour what they have in marriage into other people. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking for about three to five couples that would be willing to go through that 
um, process of becoming mm-hmm. a marriage mentor so that way then we could offer that to the church as well, where we could pair up married couples with um, certified marriage mentors that could then walk through life and help improve their marriages as well. So those, th- those are two things that we're really working on um, as far as um, counseling and mentoring goes. Um, the third thing, this is something that's already been in place, but I would love to continue to see it uh, grow, is mm-hmm. through our groups. Um, we do currently have one marriage um, small group. I do know that it's probably getting to the point where we're going to be in need of a second and third mm-hmm. or fourth group if it continues to grow the way that it is, yeah. which we would love to do that. And so there are there is a marriage group, and there's the opportunity to start more marriage groups um, that would mm-hmm. fall under our, our small group. Um, and groups uh, ministry here at Southridge. And so that's another next step that you could take. It's not too late at all to mm-hmm. um, go ahead and start that group. They've only been meeting for a week now, and I mm-hmm. think they're actually taking this week off because they're out doing a special activity this Wednesday. Right. So if you started up you know, next week, you'd only have missed one session for this, and so it'd be really beneficial. And then the final next step, um, and this is probably the easiest, it's going to require the least amount of your time, mm-hmm. um, is to attend a marriage conference, which we're going to be hosting a simulcast of a marriage conference on May 13th and 14th. Um, it's I think it's going to be 25 bucks, And you're going to come for a Friday night. You're going to come for Saturday morning, so we're mm-hmm. not going to take your whole weekend, but just probably about four to six hours of you pouring into your marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's another next step that will help uh, really bless your marriage as well. So counseling, mentoring, groups, mm-hmm. conference, it's all about next steps. And if you're serious about experiencing mm-hmm. the promised land in your marriage, you have to take next steps towards the promised land. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor Scott. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. Next week, we're going to continue to talk more about relationships, not just marriage, but some other relationships and some ways that you can take practical next steps on your faith journey. Thanks for tuning in to The Extra Point. Be sure to subscribe to the Southridge Church Podcast and tune in every Wednesday for another episode of The Extra Point.